Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's good, Internet? It's April 25th, 2023, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 561. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Klapik. Hi. And Renata Price. <laughs> hey. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope this this recording all goes well. Um, I've got a little thing in the corner of my display that says I should activate Windows uh, because I changed that. hardware, and so Windows doesn't like everything. We worked. did multiple events on a PC that we could not activate because we could not find the person who bought that license couldn't give us the code. <laughs> Activating is a suggestion. It's a suggestion. Yeah. I also. I have no idea. It's it's like you should check your email for where that code was. And I can't find it in any no. email account I have ever used. <laughs> what well, is this from uh, this is the older PC or the the new one? No, this is the yeah, this is the older one. Okay. Yeah. Like I know that I have a license on the new one. I don't I didn't do anything. I turned that PC on and Windows was activated. It's like, I'm sure there's, maybe there's a key in it. I didn't register anywhere. Where's that Where's that key? That's, I don't know. That's the real plus to getting a pre-built is someone had to register Windows for you and you don't have to deal yeah. with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. But if it ever is an issue, I don't know how to, do, I guess I have to contact them. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know. Just call I don't know the how manufacturer. that works. It's fine. I'll just, for me, open that PC, put something in it. Couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah. It's uh so right now it's this I'm in this weird state of it's a bit like a new PC, but also it's exactly like my old one because it like restored everything pretty well. But it's 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 cognizant of, hey, hardware has changed. Uh, so you have to reactivate everything that runs on a sort of, uh, you know, intrusive license. But that was most of my weekend was fixing a PC. And let me tell you, before you tell the story, yeah. I delighted all weekend in like the for you tab in Twitter is bad. But every once in a while, it is useful in that it will accidentally surface an older tweet that I missed because otherwise I'm seeing everything chronologically. And yours were getting funneled my way delightfully. <laughs> and the reason it was delightful was not just to see where you were in this process over the weekend was just, I want to know what time this tweet was sent. And it was just like a rollicking (laughs) journey of 7 PM normal. He's talking about being tired. Oh, this might be a banger. 3.15 in the morning. And like every time I was playing a game with myself by myself to be like, like, let's play. What time is it? (laughs) With Rob Zachney. (laughs) Continue. Yeah, uh, I started at two in the afternoon on Saturday Ugh. and with some brief breaks, uh, I was going to let four in the morning and I would say probably four hours at least of that 
were dealing with just a couple connections that I could not find. Like it was just like could not find documentation on like one thing had to connect to another thing. And nobody on either end of the connection had like great documentation of exactly what I was supposed to be hooking up. Like it was, it was pin out type stuff. Um, so like everything else kind of like put together decently, but then there were like a couple cables that were not particularly well documented. Uh, and then one of just the most nightmarishly difficult connections I've ever seen. Um, to the point where I was like, I can't believe anyone uh, would create a case this foolish. Uh, so we all love the, the we all love the ports on the front of a PC. You know, like those are like what? those are so useful. Look, don't I'm, have I got none. Who, who don't has have ports on the front on the top of their PC I got a anymore? On the top. Maybe like when, when, the top. when has a case got, had a front for, facing PC ports? I mean, like I've had those before, Kato. Wait, like USB <laughs> ports? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've had USB ports on it's the front It's been at least a decade when I was since a child. case has been made that way, yeah. When I was 13. <laughs> wow, Rob just... Is Rob, Rob, are you still on the call? Wait, I'm trying to figure out if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm I talking about USB do. ports on the front of the PC. Yes. Yeah. Any ports. Yeah. My port... My, the front of my PC is all fans. The front of my PC is all glass. That's very okay. So, uh, a thing that lots, so really thing cool that lots of cases hazard. have are like USB ports and uh, like audio ports on the front. So Not you on can, the top? you know, you're sure you don't mean on the top? Uh, yeah, it's like the front top lip. Yes, on the oh, top. Okay, well that's different. Okay, that's, well, that's, that's different okay, than the front. I got those, about. Rob. Come in. <laughs> yeah, Rob. That's fine. Okay. That's port. normal. We thought you meant like literally. In the front of the case, the way that I didn't know that wasn't my previous PC. Yeah, yes, that's I was was imagining like a Windows Vista or like a Windows XP (laughs) PC. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, the the previous PC I had, the case might as well have been from that era. And yes, it did have three obnoxious ones at the very like bottom uh, front of the case. I think we should bring those back. That's a little bit less useful, I think. I like I like it at the top lip because you look down, you just sort of plug in and unplug. But they bottom lip. uh, There's nowhere to hide the cables. I I would. It was only useful every once in a while to like plug in like a strange accessory that was only going to be put in for the next five minutes. Like I need to dump these this SD card or something. But that that placement definitely implies that you're supposed to put that honking thing on your desk right because if it's at the bottom that's the only way you're gonna access yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but i have a question i have a question to see if this was universal all of those like front facing like ports did have like a weird bulbous plastic hood like over them right like it was like an inset you know what i mean like 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 the case was (laughs) not flat there was like a era of when you have like inset and like floppy drive like i mean so there was a reason to have more things in the front because you were like, I yeah. mean, my, one of my oldest PCs, like, had, like, literally a flappy, you know, like a door that you open to hide yeah. the, the DVD, uh, like, drive and, like, the CD rewritable uh, drive. Um, It'll put yeah. a floppy disk The bulbous hood is where the ports live. Bulbous mm-hmm. hood. <laughs> uh, so, the ports on the front of my PC supposedly support, like, USB 3, but there's a, like, really fussy connector uh, that's, like, I think it's, like, 16 pins really tight pins uh and they're really thin and you gotta connect it to a uh like connection on the motherboard 
Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't go in. I was like, I can't get the angle on this thing. The cable's really stiff. And the thing is, like, there are so many things on when you're when you're building a PC where it's like this doesn't feel like it's going, but you just have to like push harder, and it will slide into place. Like a lot of the power connectors, yeah, uh, will be a <laughs> thing where you're gonna force them together. So this thing, you're like, okay, uh, I mean, everything's lined up correctly. I'm just going to apply more force. It's not going anywhere. I pull the uh, the little uh, connector back, and now I see a bunch of bent pins. And so now I'm like sitting there with a screwdriver and tweezers, trying to rebend the rebend these little spindly pins into the extremely precise and delicate mm-hmm. like array mm-hmm. that they're supposed to fit. All of this is happening. Uh, like I run this problem like around midnight. And next thing I know, it's like two thirty in the morning, and I'm trying to get this working. How um, much? How much time have you spent around breadboards, Rob? Like very little. Okay, I was I was just curious because this is this is a this is a very common experience for people who work around breadboards, and I was I was curious as to if you had like if you'd had to deal with this specific like pin fuckery before, or if this was this was a first for you. No, this was so. This was. Uh, like yeah, I had encountered. I've I've not encountered a thing where it's like the connector is just destroying the pins before my eyes. No, yeah. Uh, and like the thing that rescued me from from like my growing rage and madness was uh, the tech chat on the Waypoint Discord. I mentioned like that this was going on. Somebody was like, "Yeah, I've uh, never managed to connect one of those things successfully." Three different motherboards. I have effectively destroyed the front uh, jack USB three port on the motherboard because it never fits together well. Um, but they all have this, and so like that was like two and a half hours. Uh, you know, late at night, I'd run out of basketball to watch by that point, <laughs> trying to, to to keep me company uh, during the PC build. Uh, you know, the other other weird things is the well, it's. The horrible moment you realize that you put all the cards in, and then there's a bunch of pins you need access to that are now blocked by the cards, and so you got to take a bunch of cards out mm-hmm. and like do the connections around the cards and put yeah. it all back. So it, it was it went on for it, it went on forever, and all, and the thing is, it was so incredibly not fun to do this in the context of a PC repair. You know, I think this is a task that, like, the carrot that keeps you going mm. is the hardware upgrade, right? Where you're, like, you're trundling along, like, this new motherboard with this new CPU and this video card. This is all horrible. But at the end of it, I'm going to have an awesome gaming machine. And all of this. If it turns this, on. <laughs> if it turns on, which we'll get to. But all oh, of this is basically I didn't even just, know that happened. I just know. I just <laughs> The amount of people I know where that becomes their hit. Because, like, well, six hours later was another six hours later because I don't know why it won't turn on. <laughs> yeah, like, this was just like, I am just repairing a PC. And as I'm, like, doing it, I'm like, this is why I bought a PC rather than try to, like, repair the PC on, like, the last day of my vacation. Uh, was because, like, the minute it was clear that this was probably a motherboard fault, uh, that's effectively you're doing a PC rebuild at that point. Like, the motherboard is not an easy swap. 
This is what I've been saying, because I've been worried about having motherboard problems for a really long time. And Kado keeps being like, buy a new motherboard. And I fucking refuse. I'll never. I'll never. You just know. It's the part that you need to replace. Here's the it's thing. Here's scary, the thing. Rob, Kato. Rob, did you get an upgrade for your motherboard at least? Uh, by some measures, yeah. So like, okay. I so here's the big downgrade. Mm. I went on a board with three um, M2 uh, hard drive slots down to two. So mm. I lost uh, about a terabyte of storage in this. It was like, like this is no longer going to be a gaming PC. So it doesn't like literally the games drive is not necessary for it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having the extra storage would have been nice, but it was like not as important. In Can every other respect, I would say the, the layout was better. Yeah. And like okay. the performance was better. Nice. So that's something, um, right? There's, there's still an upgrade happening, kind of low key upgrade. Oh, not I mean, as big kind of, as a. Doing like, like okay. <laughs> I think something was probably busted with the build from day one because it always had weird issues around like shutting down and start. Like there were always mm. weird. Like, is power working correctly here? Um, and I suspect it is because Fractal did this really weird thing. God, I wish I could show you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way the power buttons work on the front of your PC is that like. There's a series of really tiny one-pin connectors, positive and negative, to do things like this is going to control, like, this is going to connect your power button to telling the motherboard to power on and off. Uh This uh, little set of uh, connectors is going to turn on the light that, like, is next to the power button to tell you whether the PC is on or off. And all of those things have to go to a little, uh, like, pinout on the motherboard. And I think that varies by manufacturer. Because, um, like, if you go into the motherboard manual, they have a really detailed, like, here where these leads go uh, on the motherboard. Fractal did this really weird thing where they put all those tiny little connector clips... <coughs> into a bigger clip like a bracket so that like rather than do a bunch of tiny connections you could have one like jet mm. one, one larger connector and mm-hmm. plug it in mm-hmm. but it didn't match the motherboard and why would it because it varies from manufacturer to manufacturer and it was like it, it doesn't like the thing that uh, like all this stuff was set inside yeah didn't make sense to me oh, and no. i kind of wonder if like that clip uh had it been plugged in to like just some of the wrong leads uh, on on the motherboard, and that's Ooh. why there were always weird issues with the PC, like going to going like sh- shutting off or or staying asleep, weird shit like that, until eventually it breaks. I don't know, uh, but either way, um, like that was that was like clearly a weird thing that Fractal did. Um, but now, like at the very least, now that you know. The PC does a lot of normal PC stuff uh, normally, right? I don't have to hold the power button down to actually force it to turn off anymore, which I did for like a year because like it was an annoyance, but I wasn't going to bust apart the PC trying to figure out like why I had to to like firmly shut off the PC. I was going to have to hold the power button down. I wasn't going to fuss with that until it started throwing these errors in the last month. Um, But... Yeah, it's like it is a it's it's clearly a motherboard upgrade, but it's all the same hardware. And it was just like an entire day spent basically fixing a PC and doing all the stuff you'd have to do to build a new PC. Right. Um, 
so like it you know it's it's nice to have a nicer motherboard but it was not how i would have chosen to spend a weekend and the other frustrating thing is having spent all that time doing this if i had to build another pc with similar heart like basically the same hardware i think it would take me about 90 minutes you know what I mean? If I had to do this yeah. working, like if I had to do it again, if somebody just handed me all the components, but you have, for you'd this have to PC, do it now, right? Like yes. immediately, that knowledge yes. is, is is vacating your brain. Six months from now, if for some reason that PC melts, you'll right. be back where you started. It'll be another fourteen-hour job, <laughs> right? Right now, I could like probably okay. Actually, if I had to build another one, probably would take me like let's be pessimistic and say it would take me like six hours to like really hammer all together. The mm. next one would take like four and then it would be like, bam, 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 uh, <laughs> really easy. But all that knowledge is yes. Day by day, Patrick leaking out of my brain. Um, but I got to the end of, of all of this. I was in like, I was like, I just, I'm not even going to close this up today. I just need to make sure it works. And, it did, which was a huge relief, right? Because I had that I had that moment of this thing could just not turn on. Mm-hmm. And at first it didn't because I had it plugged into a power strip that I turned off uh, while I was doing all the work to which have one, the anti Which one last strap. minute heart attack uh, yep. while you're... <laughs> 3.30 in the morning, I'm pushing the power button, and I'm like, uh-oh. Wait a second, when I turn on the case, did it... Did I mean, at that point, you're almost having... I would have had a conversation with myself prior to even like, I'm not even going to try it tonight. Like why, why you're introducing a chaotic heartbreak into like, wouldn't you rather deal with that at eight 30 with a cup of coffee? But I, I understand the temptation there is, is my, the once you hit three, are you getting up at eight 30? Like <laughs> that's, that's it. Like Pat, like there, there's a weird, there's a weird dynamic with projects like this where like on the one hand, Probably on some level, you do know that if you went to bed and approached this problem fresh in the morning, you'd be smarter. You'd probably be <laughs> less frustrated, uh, more creative in how you tackled yeah, some of these yeah. things. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, you're so far into it that it has like this weird momentum of like, I'm just going to keep going forward until this thing like finishes. You're already in it. Yeah. You're already in the muck. No use climbing so, out to climb back in later. <laughs> right. So that was that was me. I was just I mean, like, that's, one, that's definitely one approach. <laughs> <laughs> Seems healthy. Uh, well, I mean, it, it was. Uh, I think if you are someone who like is really prone to procrastination, right? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I need if to you, fix if this you walk weeks. away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. Because uh, the situation I really couldn't have is like if it's Sunday and I'm like I don't want to get back. That was so shitty yesterday. I'm just gonna. You know what? I'll do the last PC things tonight. Yeah, and that's how I end up. You know, at four thirty in the morning on Monday. Now mm-hmm. I'm finishing the build. Uh, but you know, it it all worked. Uh, it 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 went decently, and then I encountered so I, like like post pictured Twitter of like, hey, here it is, and then I encountered uh, the fact that there are there's a huge number of people who cannot see like an open PC case and not without commenting cabling. Mm-hmm. It's cabling mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. It was like, oh yeah, this is this is really why I don't really like dig the subculture 
too much because it was yeah. like it was the middle of an ongoing repair and people are like bruh those cables are disgusting and it's like because it's not finished it's not finished it's the weirdest damn thing the little like the weird little cable fetishists that come out of the woodwork uh whenever you're doing like a pc build <laughs> it is bizarre and i'm like does this happen with other things because i don't think it does i don't think but like, I think there's different la- like you are opening that box when you are just talking about building a pc yeah and then yeah. it's just a layer of different sicko like progressing to different yeah. like like layers of far, john wick yeah. fighting through people's <laughs> different like pc fetishes uh and you just happen to open a door to to the cable Jeez, one but i think like there are Christ. it's why i I have no interest in building a PC. Just get recommendations, buy the one that shows up, just move on. But like, I, because the everyone has a different layer where they go, that's too far for me. I don't but care about like, this part. But this is like if someone is posting pictures of like them working through a recipe. It's like if motherfuckers were being like, "Bro, those dishes are disgusting." Or, or and it's like, "Cause I'm cooking." Yeah, like this. I, I'm looking at these replies. I, I am currently looking at these replies, and I will stand here and defend Rob Zachney. This is like if you lacerated your hand, and someone was like, "Damn, there's a lot of blood all over the place. You should get that cleaned up before you go to the doctor." Like it's it is it is a little it is a little bit fucking insane. It yeah, it was. It's like. It is just a bizarre thing because some of these same people will turn around and be like, no, no, PC building is welcoming. You should come on and don't be scared of it. It's so much fun. And it's easy. Mm-hmm. And one, the easy part fucking lies. Uh, no no like, part of it is easy. Like it's just plugging things into other things. I'm going to yeah, push you down the stairs. You don't even, you, don't even <laughs> you rarely need a, a, a screwdriver. Like what, what's the big deal? I definitely didn't need. Uh, well, I will say I pretty much got through all this with like one trusty Phillips head. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but it also did require having four or five manuals open concurrently. Hmm. That I was sort of like, <laughs> like it, it wasn't that complicated. It was just a few areas where you're like, I don't know exactly how this is. Like, it's not exactly clear from the documentation how this is supposed to go. And also, I'm a little bit concerned about the stakes for getting it wrong. Right. right. It's like right. I, I'm just want to be really careful here and deliberate. Uh, and so that's where things take forever because it's like, yeah, like swapping in a new video card would take like, you know, 30 seconds. But like the motherboard build in, in particular is just that's that's the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. But it's this bizarre thing where people will tell you, like, it's easy. It's fun. Don't be intimidated by it. And then you're like, here I am working on my PC. And it's like, you live like this. You have not managed your cables. Uh. And the other I mean, it's like the similar sort of thing when, like, any one of us with bad desks show our desks to the to our audience, and they're like, "I couldn't do it." It's a it's a similar sort of aesthetic want of just like everything must be clean and tidy. Yeah, but I think there's a difference. Like, I I I do think there's a bit of a difference between like people all do go about their business in different ways. Yeah, but I think a messy workbench is kind of universal, right? (laughs) It's like a thing being in the middle of a repair. Is like always going to be sure. exploded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you don't you you don't keep neat cabling while you're repairing. And honestly, like the one thing I did do end up tying up a bunch of cables. But one thing that did make me nervous about doing like nice cable management is it does mean that if I do encounter a problem like in a week or so, I'm gonna have to. There's a lot more shit I have to undo. You have to undo the just cables to like get just a to couple get connections. The access, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have a question. Yeah. Is 
if you called a person and said, hey, my computer is broken, can you come and fix it? And like, can you do this for me, right? Will the person you call actually be able to do it? Or will the person you call just be someone who works with a totally different kind of computer problem and would be completely incapable of actually doing this? This is my question because I I don't know the answer to this. I think you would need a place that actually does like either sells a lot of uh, like custom PCs that they like do service work on or you would need like someone who builds a lot of PCs uh, again custom so they've seen a lot of different hardware because like the thing is you know when I say I think I could build a PC really fast right now. It's with these exact components right but I think all the little differences between like you know, different coolers, uh, different cases, et cetera. I think all those introduce a lot more complication. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, I think like the people, the, I think the problem is the people who are best equipped to do PC repairs like yeah. this are the people who are working in the assembly shops for yeah. like <laughs> PC builders. I'm not sure. Like, you know, people let us know, like if, if you call up geek squad or something, <laughs> Like, are they actually able to come do shit? Or so, that, so the re- the reason I suggest this to start was because like I had my I diagnosed your PC immediately when you were having your first issues because I had a screw loose and then I turned the PC on and it fried the motherboard and like there was just what? a guy who runs he it's just like you know John's computer repair shop and it's like hey like I'm pretty sure this motherboard is fried if I bought another one. I am incapable of swapping this. Like it's a custom PC. Like, could you do it? He's like, I've seen a bunch of them. Like, I'm pretty sure I could do it. And I just dropped off. And this is like a sleepy part of Wisconsin. Like, and there's yeah, always he, I mean, a guy. I, there's, and if you, it's not going to be a corporate place. Like <laughs> no, geek squad is no, not going to do it. No, but yeah. like most towns have a computer repair store where he's kind of a catch all. And I think you're underselling how much these people have probably no, scene. I'm not um, trying to undersell. I'm no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just Ro- oh, yeah, Ro- Rob is. Rob would like <laughs> didn't even entertain the question of like doing a Google search around where he lives to see if one of these people exists. And my guess is that my guess is that they do. Yeah. And my guess is they probably were capable of like swapping out a, a motherboard. Here's the thing, because the, the because the components are all manufactured by different people, there are certain standards that you have to abide by. Yes. So to a certain degree, like it must be interoperable in some way, and like the specifics of that are different from piece to piece sometimes but in general if you yeah if you if you if you're if you've built enough of these like you could probably build another one even if it's totally different parts right i see how we got here to the to the current point but i do wish that like getting your pc repaired was closer to like getting your car repaired we're like if you have like that we're like there are more places to get it done as opposed to just like the extremely corporatized version well the problem is like pieces more popular than ever but it's still kind of a class of weirdo that is yeah. buying yeah. custom yeah. builds. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like right, it's a per- like, you have to go to the Porsche shop. You know what I mean? Like there's no... you, you've entered a world of specialty hardware. Sorry, except it's not going to look at the Porsche shop. Cuz so here's the thing. If you go to a Porsche dealership, uh it is like and this is any luxury dealership every aspect of it well one they make a ton of money doing routine maintenance on cars right like every german car company like a huge amount of the bottom line is people come in for like regular service but also it's like you go in there and everything's reassuring we are the people who know all about these beautiful sophisticated devices bring it here 
the computer guy is a different vibe, right? Yeah. And I think, I think that's, <laughs> that's the weird thing, too. Of It's actually a, a, a pretty good gig for, like, a small independent repair shop. But it also means it is the least, like, uh, the thing that you get with the corporatization, right, is you go to the big company website and you're like, where's the local vendor? When you're in the realm of where's my computer repair guy, Google's going to find like 60 people who are That's like, not maybe much different than car stuff, though, man. Like, like, like trying to find a car shop that like you trust, like you walk in. It's oh, like, yeah. I don't know the vibe of this place. I don't know if they're fucking me over. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. And a car, I know way less than I know about. A com- I can name parts in the computer and know how they work. That's way Mother less true board. in the car. You know what I mean? That's and if you go to, and, and And frankly, the thing you're suggesting, which is like, go to Pep Boys. I did that for years and then finally went to like a local joint and realized how badly I was being fucked over yeah. by yeah. just going yep. to the mainstream place. So yeah. actually, like, it's not helpful when it gets corporatized in that way. Because right. generally they're going to... They're going to take advantage of your lack of knowledge. And like I when I took it to a finally got tired of going to the Pep Boys. I was like, I'm just going to try this other place from the corner. This guy had good reviews. The first thing they told me, like, if we show you like the five things they fucked up on your car that we're going to spend some money fixing and then you're never going to run into it again. And I was like, oh, I okay, I guess I should have done this instead of the place (laughs) that lets me just show up at 10 a.m. without an appointment. And 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 this is why I have a fucking beef with Apple products is because once those shits got normalized, a lot there became less like there has become less of like bespoke shops because like they just can't interact with those products. And so that's just going to get worse with time. And I, I fucking despise it. I hate it. I need I let me just call a guy. Let me just call a guy. Yeah. But now, like, you know, I am my own guy. For and now, for this brief first for now, forty-five <laughs> minutes for the next week with this exact. By the end of this of podcast, that guy has made it down the stairs. He's, He's thinking asleep. about going out the door. Uh, there's a, there's a guy... half life on that guy in your mind, and he is fucking radiating knowledge. Can your guy fix a broken GPU? Did you break your GPU? My twenty eighty that I got like three years ago died. Just yeah. died randomly. I can't. That doesn't seem right. I've only had it for three years. Like what the fuck? Uh, but it's all that mining. <laughs> uh, I wish. I mean, I don't wish. Actually, don't get into crypto. But I, I would maybe need some money at some point. <laughs> uh, the the fucking warranty was up three days later, so I'm sending it in. <laughs> I got an I got an RMA this morning after having putting it on Saturday when they finally got back to me. Um, but that's that's the yeah. one thing when a component fails, it's just like shit out of luck. There's no fixing that. There's no tinkering with that. And I wish there no, was. No, looking, looking <laughs> around these things, like the days when there's even big old like replace me here capacitors on these boards, those right. days are done as well. Uh, there just there just are not many uh, things now where you can look at look at the board and be like I know what this is and I can I can fix it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Patrick, to your point, like every time as the case was like getting finished, a couple times a screw would fall off the end of the screwdriver, and you hear clink, and then you hear clink clink. And then it was like, oh no, those two the the following clanks were it plummeting into the depths of the PC. <laughs> right. It's gone even further. You gotta make sure you find that. Yep. Because like don't don't do another thing. 
find that screw, get that yep. screw out of there. Because yeah, that's that's what, what my, the mine got busted by. I was reviewing a game and like brought the PC to a different house, and in in doing so, oh, it finally it was an rolled old, into rick- a fatal. Yeah, position. it was an old rickety case. Like it barely was keeping itself together. You know, shout outs to the rando giant bomb that put it together using parts from a school IT closet that was about to get thrown out. And I used that, I used that motherfucker for 10 years. Um, but, uh, yeah, one screw, uh, uh, totaled it. And, um, yeah, I'll do it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, at, at the end of it though, I felt like, ah, oh, I felt like a genius when it turned on, it all worked. And this, the other part, like these things are so, this shit is also much easier than it used to be. Right. Like in the end, it does sort of snap together. There's just a few places mm-hmm. where like you can get a little bit lost and unraveling that mystery can take hours and everything else is just kind it's of le- like it's less like doing auto repair than it used to be in <laughs> yeah. like the 90s and early 2000s. Like it could be easy or just more popular and pe- more people are buying them. And so naturally they kind of have to get easier to put together to address address that kind of market. But, you know, I've never done it myself but i've watched other people do it like i remember when they would do pc builds like in the basement of giant bomb like i tested and it's like i just remember that stuff being i'd like glance at it i'm like god damn like i mean i'm sure it's really satisfying at the end but what what a nightmare to get to get there oh you know what i don't get though why did they sell thermal paste in like quantities that's like 12 times the amount that you would want to use on this like why would you introduce that level of confusion (laughs) Maybe they're using that it for other things. Keeps. Yeah, exactly. You just you just wait till the next time you need thermal paste. It'll be fine. You just buy one thermal paste for the rest of your life. Exactly. It so so I'm not a fool for just hanging on to but at this no. point now, like because at some point I needed to get out the big box of random electronic shit I've uh-huh. collected over the years. I found like two old thermal pastes in there. <laughs> uh you know, and then I have a new one. Like, how much does it really keep? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, I think thermal paste. In either, in either world, I'm never going to build enough PCs to use up this thermal paste. Then you're good. You're it's good for life. Happening. It's great. I'm good for life. But, like, I, I feel like if you're doing this repair once and you're like, well, you need to get thermal paste uh, for, for the assembly, you're going to think, like, this is a single-use item, right? And you got a big old syringe of thermal paste. And you use like less than a tenth of what's in there, and that's the correct amount. But the syringe itself suggests, like, hey, don't you? Maybe you should dress up that CPU like a layer cake. No, no. They they come with replaceable tips most of the time, right? Like this little cap, you can just put it away. They got caps. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it keeps. I don't know. It's, I'm not it's, finding. Nobody said that it doesn't keep yet, so I'm going to say that it keeps. The internet surely hasn't. Yeah, probably. Hasn't figured if this it out doesn't yet. keep, somebody would somebody would have said yeah. something. <laughs> uh, but but either way, that was my that was my foray into being a a proper uh, tech genius. I've sort of renewed my PC building credentials uh, for you know for the remainder of this hardware generation and then in a few years once again i will have no idea uh what what i am doing and i'll be like this is why pc gaming is dying it's too hard for people like me who only do this uh every you know three or four years Hmm. uh but speaking of technology and some of it maybe being ill-conceived Ren, you've been playing the Portopia serial murder case. Okay, so, all right. 
Square Enix, last yeah. Friday, made an announcement. They said, hey, we're going to port one of the most influential games in like the history of Japanese game development uh, to PC, uh, to like modern systems, uh, and in English for the first time ever. Uh, like the first it's official the English Dragon, Dragon Quest designer, right? Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Among other people, it was a huge inspiration on uh, uh, Awanama. Uh, it is like a huge inspiration, like a ton of developers. It basically like lays the foundation for the visual novel genre and also like the RPG writ large um, in Japan, right? Uh, and that game is the Portopia Serial Murder Experiment. It is a relatively simple or s- complex for the time, but relatively simple now. Uh, point-and-click adventure game with a text parser. Um, That was the original game, released in 1983. Then uh, it gets ported to a bunch of things, becomes super influential, never gets an English release. That is until last Friday, when Square Enix announced that they would be releasing an English translation of the game, uh, porting it to modern systems, in addition to it being a tech demo for a natural language processor uh, like AI that they are using, um, and and wanted to demo publicly. Mm. The idea being that this thing would handle the translation. No, no, the translation okay. was the translation was done. The natural language processor is designed to make the text parser more natural. So, for example, okay. in the original game, it was exclusively verb object. That is the only way you're interacting with the world is verb, object, verb, object, verb, object. Yeah. Uh, as you're giving commands to your characters, uh, basically you're playing as a, a detective who's trying to solve a murder. Uh, you give commands to your partner who is the person who actually executes them. So if you say, you know, go to room, your partner's the guy who goes to the room, for example, right? Or hit this guy or ask this question. Your partner is the person who says those things, which is, I actually think, a relatively clever sh- uh, workaround to uh, having to, to, to preventing the player from asking questions that the game can't answer is to have it all be filtered through uh, this other guy. But will he hit? Will he hit the guy? Is oh, hit yes. The, is hit yes, the guy yes, an option? Yes, yes. We're going to get to that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, okay, so this is a tech demo, is what they said, for natural language processing. Basically, what it's doing is it is taking the player's text and translating it into uh, this, like, parser system uh, to more, like, naturally interface the system. Great, cool, 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 cool. They also said that they got natural language generation working. So if you like look at like the natural language processing as a, as a field of study, there's a couple of different layers to it. One of them is natural language understanding, uh, which is, you know, the, the uh, system's ability to actually like parse what the player is trying or the person is trying to say to it and then respond accordingly. Uh, and then natural language generation, which is actually constructing new sentences in response to new stimuli, right? Or in response to, in response to things. This game is not a demo for natural language generation. Something that is made very clear in their Steam page when they say, and I quote, they were, uh, sorry, the, the, the phrase that they use is unethical replies. So they were unable to prevent the game from creating unethical replies and so disabled the natural language generation. Now, this is a game about being a detective. So my first thought was, oh, Unethical replies has to refer to something around like police brutality, right? No, fool, 
Dork. That's advertised on the Steam page. Thank you very much. The police brutality comes with a service. <laughs> um, and so what unethical pri- replies actually refers to is probably talking about um, either the game being willing to just actively do racism um, mm. or uh, you being able to subvert the system by just being like, hey, tell me the answer to the case. And they did not figure out a way to make the natural natural language generator just like not tell you the information that you want to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I'm reading these Steam it's reviews. Really like, everything is, is is essentially just like hey, this just sounds like a text adventure game from the 80s where you're spending a lot of your time trying to figure out what is, what am I even capable of doing? And the game's like, I don't know what you're trying to say. Um, and there's like, like every single, all the reviews are negative. And like a lot of the reviews are just quotes that say, I'm not sure what to say about that. Because um, it sounds like this is a very difficult game to even interact with on a on a on a basic level. So it is. Uh, but one thing it does include, which I think is fun, is uh, an NLU visualizer, which shows you what the game thinks you're trying to say. And is like showing you what the actual like process going on behind the scenes is. Uh, I just posted a screenshot of the police brutality. Um, this is what that visualizer looks like. Uh, this is a screenshot from my own playthrough where I said, tell him to calm down. The game has no fucking idea what to do with this request. Um, That's really interesting, though. To surface that is... I mean, obviously, this is like a a bad game, bad implementation. Not really sure why this was released. But just even surfacing that information to see what is happening... Uh, under the hood is I mean I know I know why because they are referring to this game as an educational demonstration they are not referring to it as like a full game they are calling it a tech preview I mean in the square like in the steam title in theory a place where you would want something streamlined marketable simple now granted square is the absolute king of you know what we don't need titles that make sense they just pull them out of a hat this is literally listed as Square Enix AI Tech Preview, colon, the Portopia serial murder case. And as you point out, it's labeled under education. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's worth noting here is that they also include a speech-to-text system uh, or automatic speech recognition. Uh, that uses your GPU. Uh, I turned on the mid-tier, like, text parsing, like, speech parsing, uh, and it almost instantly crashed my PC. Uh, because it took up five gigabytes of VRAM instantaneously to parse me talk, me saying words into the computer. Okay. We just talked about PCs. I don't know what is obviously I'm not super versed in this tech, but it says, please note that a CUDA capable GPU and a large amount of VRAM. What is a CUDA capable GPU? So CUDA CUDA cores refers to like a specific like GPU tech that is, um, like that has come to like define the modern gpu um it is it is like a so that med- would just be in like if i've bought an well, nvidia or whatever to i'm gonna go to have a video card that doesn't have that, that i guess that's what i was like asking an, like is that is that a drop like down menu option that i'm just series. unaware of like i think like the 900 series but most people on a modern PC are going to have. Yeah. That's why I just think it's funny that it's even mentioned here because if you're going to call out like 
I, I, I'm guessing a lot of people that own GPUs do not know if they do or do not have a CUDA capable GPU. It just is what it yeah. is. Anyway, that's that's just that's just very funny, but also speaks to the, like well, the very strangeness of this uh, whole project that you are. Uh, uh, you know, describe. it is very strange. But one thing worth noting, Patrick, is like GPUs are at this point CUDA cores. It's like one of the met- like basic metrics for how you can do power comparisons, and like it's listed like okay. pretty immediately. So if you're comparing like you know a forty ninety to like a forty seventy, one of the first metrics you can use is the difference in CUDA cores, um, because that is like the it is a pretty solid benchmark for performance. Um, however, um. When I turned on the speech-to-text recognition, uh, which uses your VRAM and uses your your, your GPU acceleration to actually like do that, uh, it basically almost instantly crashed my PC. It was completely in like it ground to a fucking halt, which is like, which can feel particularly strange uh, given that that's not new tech. Speech recognition in games is not new tech. Um, speech to text, however, <laughs> is a little bit closer. Uh, but like, you know, speech to text systems exist. Diction systems exist. People use them literally all talking, the time. I remember talking to that Pikachu on my N64. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yet here we have a turning this on nearly crashed my PC, which at this point it's like, I don't even know what we're doing. Right. Like, like th- this is in so many ways this feels like the worst possible version of this game where it is like trying to promise you the ability to interact with it directly and you just cannot do that, right? Like that—that that is, that I think that like is part of what makes it so difficult is that like if I was looking at uh, the Portopia serial murder case and it just had a traditional text parser and I knew that I had to do verb object and that is how the system worked, then I can follow those rules. I can I can accept those parameters and do that. That is not what is happening here. Instead, you are trying to talk to a different program, which then converts what you're saying into verb object and then says that to the game. And that intermediary step makes it so much more difficult. And the other thing is that it's inconsistent. You can say go to study and the game will be like, no fucking clue what you're saying. Or you can say, go to study and the game will be like, I'll take you to the study. Sometimes go to study doesn't work. Go to the study does work. All of it feels like it's because there is this intermediary step that is trying to do a process of translation uh, from one system to another that is inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I heard about this, I sort of assumed they were taking the skeleton of the original game and instead a language processor would be the parser that lets you do the thing. Like that it all would have been adapted to take the wider array of inputs uh, that a like natural language processor would introduce the idea that it's still fundamentally a really restrictive text parser game Mm -hmm that now you can just chat to, you know, effectively, you can effectively go to a chat bot Mm -mm, and mm -mm. like ask it to play this game for you. You cannot, I will say this is not a chat bot because this is not giving you natural language generated responses. Mm. Because, and I think that's, that's like, this seems like it's poorly made regardless out of context, 
But then in the context of the current moment we're in, where we're seeing a lot of like accelerated development, where people are playing with these chatbots, I think it would be a pretty normal response to think if you're invoking this language, talking about this, when I sit down to play this game, what you're proposing to me is that I'm going to get like that level of experience dropped into a video game. Maybe I have qualms and questions about AI and what what all this is, what all is happening, but maybe that could be interesting. And it's like, it doesn't seem to rise to any of those minimum bars and, and seems very odd that they release it at all, other than to just fulfill this broader mandate that Square has, which is that we think blockchain AI are like waves of the future. And despite, uh, you know, evidence to the contrary, we're going to continue down that path. They've reinforced the blockchain stuff fairly recently even as everyone a lot of other people are walking away and this just seems to fit into this broader weird mantra of the of the, of the so here's here's i'm thinking two things with this uh one regarding natural language generation in the steam demo they did say we will consider reintroducing this function as soon as our research succeeds in creating an environment in which players can enjoy the experience with peace of mind so once they figure out how to t- teach the robot to stop saying slurs they'll they'll <laughs> they'll put it back in it's never going to happen it's a I, I, it won't. I don't think that's it's not they, they're that's, I don't think that that is going to happen with this release. I think this is it. <laughs> uh, but that's what they claim. And like yeah. the other thing is that they, they refer to it as a educational demonstration. And it is making me wonder if like in their perfect world, what is the, what is the goal of releasing something like this to the public? One, convincing like, you know, it's a, it's a advertising thing to an audience of being like, Hey, this is how this works. Isn't this cool? And people go, yeah. And then the next time they see it used in a game, they can be like, Oh, I remember that's the cool thing before. Let me try it. But I think part of the like squares gamble with like leaning really hard into the blockchain bullshit and leading really hard into the AI bullshit is it feels like they are trying to, and with something like this, would be trying to be like the tech leaders on the games side of this and then selling that tech to other companies, right? That feels like the long play here. Uh, however, they're trying to do that long play with what seems to be uh, complete fucking bullshit, uh, just complete nonsense bullshit. Uh, they, like they are being so committed to the P- the AI pyramid scheme that they're like, you know what? I do have to sell these Avon products <laughs> and I'm going to sell them to you gamers. I mean, I prefer this over the blockchain stuff. If I've got to choose like a, you know, an awful tech path for square to square to go down there at least seems potential mm-hmm. here. If, if done like, right, even though it doesn't seem like I, I see no interest in, the block, I see no design upside of the blockchain that is only financial upside for a very specific set of individuals. There is a different version of this that responded differently, that responded how, you know, we've seen this tech used in different different ways that could could be interesting in theory. And um, so I guess if I, if I have to pick one, I'd rather this, but clearly this doesn't suggest that they're necessarily anywhere close. Uh, and my other point of frustration here is that, like when I look at this... <sighs> I don't think that, like, you can go much, like, currently, I don't think there's much you can do of interest beyond this, other than, like, you know, generating, other than generating text, because, like, the way that stories work, and the way that, like, stories work in games at this, at this current moment is that, like, there is a solution to all of these things, right? And to, in order to have that, you have to do a lot of state management, and, like, if you make a world that can say whatever the fuck it wants to the player... 
That's great, but unless you build a state management system to be able to keep track of what the player has done, then none of it matters, right? Like the game can make the the best text response ever if it can't actually, it doesn't matter if it can't actually keep track of it. And the keeping track of it part still has to be done by human hands. And at that point, like you all, you already have a narrative designer working on the project, right? You, you're not like cutting that much work by handing this over to an AI to to like actually do the generated responses because again you still have to build a state management system and that needs to be done by a human being and like so obviously is that the case when you interact with this thing with the promise of you know you can do what you want the game will understand what you want to do and when i tell someone to for example try to open a safe and I have to try 17 different phrases to do it or like, you know, move, moving a, uh, uh, like a painting, for example, right. All, all of this stuff like requires a person to have like still made set states that the game can respond to. And so I just like, do not think that any of this means anything, especially not in this context. My, my concluding thought is, um, maybe this is cruel, but I think you have the con- I need you to stream this game. <laughs> I need you to no. show the people sure. what's going on here. I can. I, I, I think. I think like how it fails is like you. I think it's an interesting failure, right? Like to just demonstrate maybe how how this doesn't work. How how you get past the pitch like phase with hey, like look at this technology and how we can do it. And then yeah. as you've you know uh, elaborated on here, like how quickly it sort of unravels in the implementation phase. But there's, there's another thing here that really bothers me. Like, yes, I want to do that. Good, good, good call, Patrick Two, The other thing that really bothers me here is that like, this game is really historically significant, like, like really, right. to do it really to historically significant really and has never gotten an English release, has never gotten an official English release. And that like, it makes me think a lot about the ways in which like, games and remaster culture and our struggles with archival work is like it feels like something has happened here where the original text has kind of been obliterated by a new technology in such a like clear and demonstrable way that it feels like an encapsulation of a lot of like frustrations that I have with like remake culture writ large and like the inability to access um, older versions of games because like the remaster has superseded the original in terms of availability. Um, and this just feels like a, a really frustrating microcosm of that, of, of that exact system. When it's, it's not like this comes alongside like, Hey, we have here, we've done the work. Here's an, yeah. you know, an English translation. Like we've dusted this off and this is a, you know, acknowledging a, a deep and important part of our history and we've also done this tech demo, like here's, you yeah. know, but here's both, yeah. right? Like that's, that would have been the way to play this is, um, you know, Nintendo, but Nintendo also like, it was really cool. Was it like last year? I think they went back and, and localized a couple of mm-hmm. their early uh, visual novel murder mystery games. I, f- they, I forget what they were called, um, like Famicom, something, yeah, something. Yeah. But, you know, there were, they went and like found like this really interesting part of their past. And, and uh, by all accounts, like uh, those were Fam- at least like Famicom Detective Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Nintendo's not the company that's going to be doing, like, gross AI tech demos, you know, for all their problems. Like, sharing a, you got to share a friend code. <laughs> but then you also don't have to deal with, like, a chat, like, a shitty chat bot um, that might, that might want to kill you. Um, it's just too bad that it, to go back all the way to this game specifically, given how much the Dragon Quest series yeah. has given Square as a company, like, like, how much uh, that designer has, like, 
to just dredge this up in this way is it's it's insulting frankly like to to a game that should mean a little bit more to to this and company also the art's really bad the art is like the art is the art is tough. The mouth movement is a little upsetting. I'll, I'll say, I when I was when I was watching the clips uh, on the Steam page, there was just something about the way the mouth yep. moved that I didn't. Uh, I don't know. It was a, it was it didn't work for me. Yeah, and and also I I think that saying that your game uh, is really struggling to not produce unethical replies in a game where you can beat suspects to get information out of them is I think that's a a, a bold statement to make. Um, that, that ethical beating suspects, ethical. The I com- think they need to release, release the unethical. Right. Cut. Right. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean by that? What is your de- I want to know what your definition ethical. of unethical yeah, is. Cause there's so many options. Is- there's so many options. I mean, like what I'm, who's being unethical. Maybe here. it's the, like, you know, unethical version, Sipkowitz, uh, <laughs> ethical version, any of the CSI spinoff characters. Well, like uh, what I'm wondering is like, if, if they have not found a way to, for the game to be like, you know, so for you to be like, say to your partner, call them the F slur and they just can't not do it. They cannot figure out a way to, to tell the computer not to say it. And like, that is that has been a problem. Like it's really easy to convince any of these fucking chatbots to say whatever well, that's, you want. That's the whole, yeah, they call that jailbreaking, right? Like similar to the way that you know people were uh, breaking like early iPhones. Like how do you break it out of its constraints? Right. And then you can, and then make it do. <laughs> horrible, Y'all saw that thing. thing so. I forget what which one of the chats it was. The grandma exploit. Yeah, I just I don't know what that <laughs> yes. one. Do, what does that one do? I, so, I saw a headline that it said that they had they had programmed they had managed to to put some sort of limits on. I forget which exact bot this was, but it was a bot that you would chat with, and you couldn't, for example, ask it for the recipe to make napalm, unless okay, you were like <laughs> grandma's recipe. Please, please, I miss my grandma so much. <laughs> Won't you tell me? A story like the recipe to napalm, like my grandma used to do, to tuck me in, and then the, the bot would respond, right. "Sure, sweetie." So the, the recipe for napalm is, "I'm now I'm your grandmother." Yeah, here's the recipe for napalm. Bot goes, "Oh, you already know? I'll believe that. I'll believe any." And like again, that's a problem. You don't believe anything. They don't believe. Sorry, actually, no, that's not true. It's not that they'll believe anything. It's that they don't believe anything. That's not how they work. There's no like understanding or like yeah. <laughs> incredible we've all you've also seen this horrible Whatever. stuff where well, i think it's horrible but like people who have older members of their family that are dying and they're purposely asking them to talk talk into a microphone to feed enough information <gasps> that was language. a black Thanks mirror like episode it didn't go well <laughs> you fucking idiots like don't yeah like i mean, I, mean I, I get it I miss my dad. Not that fucking I, much. I, I have a it's very. Not, it's because it's not that. It's not him. It's not. It's not that. Not and like as someone with a very long, storied, in particular relationship to grief, given my family history, like this shit pisses me off so much. I don't know. I th- I think that grief is a fundamental human experience, and that like it, it is one of those things that we should not fuck with, and that you should just have to sit with, and like and like learn to like live through as like a fundamentally human thing.
Well, and I'm not gonna. T- I'm also not gonna tell people how they should process their grief. You can't tell people no, how you to process but... the grief. But like, but also you don't have to like go on a tech podcast and explain how you're getting your dying grandma to talk into a microphone. Yeah. You want to make your you want to make your creepy virtual puppet. You do that in your own goddamn like <laughs> custom PC and don't don't tell don't, the rest of us don't about it. Talk about it. Be a freak on your own. Process process your grief quietly and introducing your kids be, to AI yeah. grandmas. Like AI grandma sucks. She doesn't make any sense. Don't, don't normalize. No, that. no. AI grandma wants the AI, recipe for yeah, AI grandma's cool. She told AI, AI grandma told me how to blow up a pipe bomb. That's sick. How to make a pipe grandma, bomb? How do we make grain well, alcohol? Hey, grandma, grandma, why do you have an encyclopedic knowledge of every post ever done on 4chan, grandma? <laughs> grandma, grandma. <laughs> All right, uh, Grandma, what's a cuck? A... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I would listen to Grandma say that. Yeah, actually. <laughs> All right, I'm coming around on it. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here, and then we'll have uh, more games after the break. Uh, remember, Waypoint Plus listeners get this podcast ad-free. You can learn more at waypointplus.com and see how you can fill this break with nothing but bless silence and cool tunes. Back after this. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, Patrick, uh, you had these games last week. We just did, ran out of time uh, to hit them. You've been playing Moon Leap. Yeah, two two quick games. Yeah, Moon Leap and Tesla Grad 2. Uh, Moon Leap um, is this a simple little uh, platformer. I'll post a little link to it so y'all can see it. Um, I You know, I love any game that can give some sort of unique spin on moving left to right and jumping. Uh, it's like a core that's just an action I like doing in video games, and then I'm always... Delighted when I can find any any game to do something a little bit differently with it. And this is not a, a wholly unique concept uh, for sure. But but Moonleap is essentially you control this little this little guy. And every time you jump, it changes the state of the world. And then how you're it changes little, the state of the world is. Yeah, you're a little moon and you're and you're leaping. And you're leaping. Right? Like, <laughs> just, oh, it's so hard to name video games. I don't know. Just draw a moon. Make them leap. Moon leap. Moon leap. Like, we're good to go. Brand- <laughs> like, it's not Moon Leap Origins Episode 1. Um, uh, and and so it's just a little, a really simple 2D pixel uh, platformer. But, you know, like, it starts with, like, s- simple interactions. Like, uh, spikes go in and out in different places. So every time you jump, like, it's going to move those spikes. And so the, the, the joy of the puzzle and platforming is figuring out what order do I do the jumping in order to get to uh, the goal. Um, and then those become more complicated as the the levels move forward. And like you are changing like the movement state of an enemy. And you're probably doing that in conjunction with the spikes going in and out. And then a little bit later, uh, you also have uh, breakable objects where once you jump on them once, you have introduced a break state. And when you jump off, they're going to disappear. And 
you also discover that you can jump off of uh, edges and you will, instead of dying, you just appear at the top. And so then you're starting to uh, coordinate like momentum and movement into the jumping and the state changing. And there are only a handful of worlds and then levels within them. And like <laughs> world two has already gotten, ah, no, I think we might be hitting that uh, Patrick GBT is like, he's hit his mental, uh, like a uh, cap on what he's capable of doing. <laughs> I'm going to start producing unethical replies in my, uh, ability to, to, to respond to these levels. Like I hit, I hit state, like, you know, I've talked about before, but like, I eventually get like, I like puzzles until I don't like puzzles. And like, I, I think I'm, I'm hitting it a little earlier than I would have thought with, with Moonly, mm. but it's very clever. It's very good. Um, just really charming and uh, it just an, if you're looking for a simple, enjoyable platformer, um, it's on PC. It's also available on uh, Android and iOS um, because it's just a like the, you're never going to die because you jumped wrong um, or that's pretty rare. So it's something that works just fine with with touch controls. Um, and then the the other game, uh, which sort of stealth dropped as part of the uh, that uh, indie showcase that Nintendo did last week, uh, Tesla Grad 2. Um, I did not play the original, which is sort of like a pixel Metroidvania puzzle game, but this the the new one um, has this uh, incredibly uh, gorgeous uh, hand drawn uh, art. Uh, post a screenshot uh, that I was really uh, captured by just the the art style uh, alone, um, and then I decided to jump in and, and give it a go. And it's just uh, like a really pleasant, easygoing. I'm getting powers every 15 minutes. That power does a thing. And, and much like I like going left to right, I also like when I go left to right and then it unlocks a new thing where I can go left to right in that different space. I'm playing multiple games now where I do that, sometimes in a 3D space. Kato is also, play, also playing that game. We'll talk about it later this week. <laughs> um, but uh, like that is one of those uh, games that, that, you know, game types that, I, I I can play a lot, and if it's you know it, it just even just a, a pretty low bar of trying something interesting, and and Tesla Grad Two has really cool art style. The powers are fun, like it's a lot of them are electricity based, so you are like the fast travel in the game is like you finding like power cables, and you are shooting across like vast distances on them. Um, you are doing a lot of like polarized services uh, surfaces where it's like you're. Uh, turning a power on and off with like one of your buttons and that allows you to, you know, like move um, from from one state to another and use that to jump between different spaces. And then it's one of its core movement mechanics is a slide. And so a lot of the world is kind of like circular and 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 angled in a way that you are constantly able to just like move really fast and fluidly. And like those are all things that make me happy as someone that gets a lot of joy out of movement in games. So, um, you know, I, I recommend both of them. They're, they're kind of operating in uh, similar sorts of spaces, even though they're different types of, uh, of games. Um, although both are obviously conjoined by platforming, but yeah, Moonleap and uh, Tesla grad too. Uh, both, both recommended. You know, having built that PC, I consider myself self something of a Tesla mancer. <laughs> uh, Kato, wow. can you talk about advanced wars? Uh yeah, excellent. Like <laughs> like I just want to make sure. Yeah. Oh oh, like embargo. Yeah, no, it's it's out. It's it. out early. Okay. I just yeah, meant yeah. Advance Wars. No, yeah, we. I meant that I'm, was a I'm early in the okay. <laughs> in the game. Yeah, so. no, no, that was there are there are codes we get from Nintendo that are early, medium, and 
the game's out. <laughs> this one was a the game's out. I always feel bad when Kato, Kato, Kato will get in touch with me like which this new Pokemon, which one is it? And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, good. I don't know until oh. it's and this one usually if I don't get it a week early, it's, it's like damn, sorry, this is a, yeah. a day and date. Um yeah. Uh, um but yeah. Uh, I'm playing the the new Advanced Wars reboot. Uh, re, re, Advanced Wars one and two reboot camp, I believe, is the full title. Um, from way forward, right? Like they developed this one. I believe that's correct. Um, the Shantae uh, studio that's done a lot huh. of like cool. Okay, yeah, two D art tracks. Well, this is this is one of my gripes with it is that it doesn't have two D art. It's all models and <laughs> the, 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 it's like half and half because the the original you know art for. Um, uh, advanced wars was um uh, gorgeous amazing gorgeous sprites. i mean the gba was yeah. like the like the height of pixel art like right before we lost it to to to, to polygons yeah. completely yeah um, it was the last great like we can well, still it was make like good... it was like the, the 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 tech like allowed the art to just really sing right yeah. like it was like you could do whatever you wanted with it and games i love games like look that these, were, look at these were pixel guys beautiful these pixel guys are great that that's some good pixels. Oh, these are gorgeous. Look at that. It's so these good. These are great fucking pixels. Um uh actually yeah, look. Look look at this. This is what the maps looked like back in the pixel days. Gorgeous. Look at those those are I love this. This is this is war to me. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw those in the those leaked uh, uh, military papers out of Discord uh, a couple weeks ago. That's what they, that's what this, these were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the the big the you know one of the bit mo- most immediately obvious differences is they've updated the art style to be it's all model based but the character models are at least stylized in a way that they still look like two D illustrations but they're very obviously the way they move mm-hmm. you can t- kind of tell they're three uh, D models made to look flat by its like coloration um, all of the like uh, actual. Um, uh, uh, like units on the on the screen are uh little three D models that I think don't look as good. I don't know. They they like tried to really keep to the color palette, but for some reason swap like the green is more distasteful to me in this. <laughs> oh, I oh, like, Kato, I the, disdain this green. You're right. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about it, but it feels Wait, like, brighter almost. The or, army green or the no the no grass green the grass green of like the maps. Which yeah. is mostly in the plains, like it's just this. And for some reason, the green back in the on the GBA, it was less glaring, probably because I mean I've pasted you an image here, and if you look up any of these images, obviously you're seeing a much brighter image than you would have originally seen mm-hmm. on the GBA screen, right? Like that doesn't have it didn't have backlighting the original at least, and so there was a certain amount of like it, it dulls out when it's being shown on an LCD, right? They just kept the exact same palette, and like now I'm playing on an OLED, and this shit is bright, and it's like, wow, this is kind of garish in a way. Um, I don't love it. It just like looks a little weird, and it's like, ah, there's there's an air of putrescence. Not the worst. Yeah, it's not the worst um, update. I feel like as far as uh, visuals go, but it 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 it's not. It's not a plus in my book. It's just like. it it's still playable, obviously. They didn't like make it so bad that I can't like look at it for too long. Um But ultimately, this is Advanced Wars one and two, the the games that you knew them. And as far as I can as far as I can tell, I'm like maybe two hours into like the regular campaign. Um 
it is it is the same game. So if you enjoyed those, great. If you haven't, uh, this is probably like the best way to like be able to pick up and play them on the go, which was the the way I would do them originally. Because part of it is that these maps are are pretty small. You know, they're uh, this sort of tactics game that is it's interesting. It's in between, I would say. Um, if you think about the the sort of puzzly, uh, small scale of uh, Into the Breach. Um, it's like a step above that because there's like a few more systems layered on top of it as far as like troop management. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these, like as turns go on, all of your troops have limited amounts of supplies. Uh, vehicles run out of gas after they've traveled a certain amount of time and you need to send out a re- resupply vehicle to resupply them. Or you could put them on top of captured cities that you own that you can capture during the during during play um infantry units all units can be combined so if like one of your units has half health and the other one has half health you can combine them to make a one full health unit and um there's like a very kind of it's a little more complex than you would imagine just kind of looking at the game um uh sort of uh like series of weakness and vulnerabilities to different types of units mm-hmm. you've got your sort of uh, different levels of small and medium uh, tanks that are gen- generally pretty good against all infantry, but there's one called mechanized infantry that has big bazookas, and the big bazooka guys are good against the tanks still. Um, but then there's also anti-air guns that, because their anti-air guns are you know bullet-based, those are still good against infantry, but they're really bad against tanks. And like the amount of different types of units is actually pretty wide. Um, and it makes for just enough, like where the maps aren't huge. Right. And like the, the kind of scale of it is, is relatively small. The amount of sort of different interactions you can have within it based on just like the different amounts of units that they have still makes for a really interesting, uh, kind of puzzling out, uh, of, of like the tactical space. Um, and like you know, they're relatively short. Uh, although I did stay up, like for those those two hours, I did. I, I thought I'd check in on like the first mission, and ended up playing like two hours, just like going through like eight missions because I couldn't stop. I was like, oh yeah. What, this what is, does short mean? This like is fun. fifteen minutes, twenty. It's minutes? like around twenty. It depends on how efficient you are. Like sometimes there's definitely one dragged out for like. 35 minutes because I took a bad line of play, got one of my troop transports blown up that was very obviously meant to make a beeline for the headquarters uh, in order to capture it. Uh, there's two basically... That's just what the AI would expect you to do. Right, right. <laughs> no, but it, this is the thing. It, it was definitely like their their HQ... They left their HQ open be- to, to kind of do an aggressive flank on my troops, which means like... Instead of using my transport to move towards a nearby base where I could, you can make, you you get uh, resources based on how many captured cities you have, and then you use that money to buy new units every turn at bases. There was an open base, and it was very obviously a trap. I, I flew up, I flew my, um, my fucking troop unit up, and there was anti-air gun waiting for me, and it just blew up, and I lost both units that were in there. Um... But 
there's two ways to win any 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 game. It's either you route, you kill every kill everything on the board, or you capture their HQ. And every every pretty often they've set up scenarios where you could kind of you can do either one of those options, and it's really more about how you manipulate the AI into moving around the board by setting up different like feints and stuff to how you like finish a mission. Um and like but it's still bite size, right? It's still like I can finish a map hmm. in 15 minutes. Um and it's really I don't know, it's 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 always been just like this perfect sort of distillation of tactics. Like it's not too small and like or too complex to be fussy for its scale. Um, it's like it feels like they hit the balance just right of like how big the maps are and how how many different units you can have like on the map and how many different like terrain features exist. Like the maps are just so well designed. I feel like and it's because they're you know they're always one screen. Like the, there's they're always like there's very little times that you're scrolling. Honestly, that's very cool. Um, yeah. And it's just like you can kind of aside from there are obviously there are fog of war maps, but it's not every single map. But for the most part, you get a kind of Actually, the fog of war maps are kind of wild. <laughs> do you ever get a little like claustrophobic though when you can't like just center the screen and stuff toward the edge of the map? Like I love the idea of it's all on one screen. Yeah. But I also like to have what I'm looking at be in the middle. Sure. And so I'm always a little bit at odds <laughs> with the like uh man, it'd be great if you just see the whole board from this one perspective. Yeah. Like I am somebody who's like I would be complaining about like viewing distance options in Chessmaster, <laughs> right? Where it's like sure. I really need to be able to cut it down to get, just really like, get see down four just, squares just these, in the corner. Yeah, just these yeah. pawns over here in this in this left side. Um, yeah, no, I, I found I think that this is part of where the art design comes into right. Like it's they make really easily read, readable icons and models yeah. for each of the small little units. That kind of I, I feel like it. I've never had that sort of issue though. I do. I I've had that issue in other games that are like yeah. I'm 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 at the edge but I want the thing to be in the middle and it won't let me scroll yeah. past the edge of the map. Um uh real quick like you mentioned so like on that mission that you had the AI doing kind of an aggressive flank leaving its uh headquarters open. Does it feel like on that scenario, the AI will always do that. Does it feel like mm. the, the, they're like scripted uh, scenarios where it's like you're going to kind of figure out the steps the AI is following and then come up with your counter? Or does it feel a little more dynamic and reactive than that? It's definitely more the AI is a little more rea- is more rea- is definitely more reactive than that. But in that scenario specifically, the way that it is definitely set up to kind of push you towards that sort of move just by opening is positioning. opening positioning and yeah. like they definitely do this a lot of just like you if you're when you get really if you're good at the game which i'm not particularly like amazing at it's given how many years it's been since i've like considered these these tactical options again uh, i don't know you play eight missions like you know in the dead of night like, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting tactical genius yeah. vibes off this <laughs> Um, it it definitely is like you can take if one aside from the ones where it's fog of war, obviously. But when most of the other missions where you can kind of see what the state of the board is at the beginning, there is a general sense of like okay, there's very obviously a, a large amassing of of troops in one position, or like there's you can see where the weak points are in the in the formations, and um, when you're good at it, you can kind of tell okay, this is this is this is the game plan, and for the most part, um the 
the the puzzle it's it's more of like a tactical puzzle like to figure out than like uh you're going to be necessarily surprised by any moves that the AI makes, especially um, for the most part, uh, the kind of defensive units or units that start further back aren't going to engage until you enter their life, enter their like area of effect, like uh, into enter their um, where they can fire from, where fire on you from, right? But you're you're choosing the level of aggression. That yes, you want this is the from. This is the thing. This is it becomes more of after after like the opening salvos. It becomes more of a like you have you're you're manipulating the AI to do what you want it to do more so. So like you when you make your attacks, you have to make sure that you your follow up is kind of more important almost than that that you have a good setup to follow up when they attack you because you're entering their like uh, firing range uh, is really where the where your strategy like lies um so picking your fights correctly you know ma- knowing when it's like okay now it's the time to for me to enter the line of fire of these three units that'll make them move forward towards this this one unit that i'm kind of sacrificing in order to put them in fu- in in the line of fire of my like set of uh long range missiles uh, things like that um and it's, it's fun does this one have this does this one have the superpowers yes or is that yeah. the Okay, because yeah. did you play Wargroove at all? Uh, no, I I didn't. Okay, War, but War Wargroove was a game that was like trying. Very, to, like, yeah. While Advance Wars has been, you know, kind of quietly away, and there hasn't been a whole lot filling that like specific style of game that that Nintendo had made with that. Wargroove was a a game that um, you know, it, it kind of try. I I played a little bit of yeah. it. It was it was it was fine. It didn't really click with with me, but I didn't I couldn't tell if that was because of Wargroove or because. Advance Wars didn't click with me, but mm. I also played Advance Wars long before I tried, like Fire mm. Emblem Awakening and XCOM. Sure. Sort of turned me on to like, oh, actually, I can like, I, I can like these these games in in certain instances. This so is, like, are the so the superpowers are. I wasn't sure if that was yeah. that or like the DS version. Like, I can't remember the differences between the the sequels. No, of it was Advance it was Wars from it's from the from the first. Um, and so you know you have um at the beginning you have only one. One CO, but depending on which CO you use, um, uh, they all have different powers. And the way that you choose as you go through the campaign is basically it starts to branch um, at a certain point. There's a mission where it's just like, okay, there's now there's two branches. And the, the difference between the two missions is just which CO you pick. Um, and one of them, you kind of start with an all-arounder. And his superpower is that he heals everything on the on the board and everything that got healed gets a little power boost and that one's pretty great uh especially for like a kind of standard just like it works well every time you hit it you're always you always have damaged units on the board this is going to be great no matter when you use it um the other the second one that uh just got introduced because they kind of they kind of slow roll rolling these all out and getting kind of the story set up is a um uh direct fire focused guy who's uh um, long range, like, uh, um, artillery fire units kind of suck, uh, which specifically is interesting because basically there's, when you're picking the missions, it has a little star rating, uh, of how difficult it is. And if you pick him, it's just a harder mission because the enemy out, out ranges you at all, at all, at all points. So it's a little bit more, you have to pick pick and choose which battles you're taking uh, up close so that you can get it, get in correct ranges but it's a lot harder to get in correct ranges cuz 
uh, first off, all your all your artillery units have one less like range on their attacks, and when you use your superpower, uh, his superpower makes all of his direct fire uh, units like much stronger. Like that, you can one shot things, which is not normally a thing in this game most of the time, unless you're like. Uh, like anti-air guns shooting down helicopters is like usually a one-hit shot, but apart from that, most things you'll you'll still have a little bit of unit left over after. This just like makes every tank, every artillery unit, everything that does direct fire just start wiping the board. But it all of your artillery units use lose yet another range of another another uh space of range. Um so it's really, um, it's really, uh, like the, the different CEOs become a sort of like difficulty measure, met, 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 uh, different difficulty, um, choice, right? Basically. Um, but they're still like, it's really fun to figure out the puzzle in a different way. And like, sometimes I will go back and play the same mission with the different CEOs mm-hmm. just to be like, okay, how, how would how different is it really? And it ends up being like a totally almost a totally different battle, um, because the they've made the CEOs different enough to be to make interesting tactical decisions around them. It sounds really cool. Um, it sounds like a good very addictive little tactics game. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take it to the uh, let's take it to the question bucket here. Uh, remember, you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. Uh, so this came up the other week. Uh, we were discussing just hazardous materials disposal, and now post PC build, I've got a bunch more weird electronic shit that I should probably throw out. <laughs> and somebody, uh, or not throw out, or at least not just dump in a mm-hmm. garbage bag and yeah. uh, toss down the chute. Uh, and uh, Ward in the Midwest. Do you have a literal shoot? I have a yeah, I have a trash chute. Wow, that's so- awesome. It is, and let me tell you, it makes very satisfying noises uh, when when you drop shit down there. Hell yeah! Just like skid, and then a series of boom, boom, (laughs) boom, and then sometimes if you're very lucky, yours will be the one that triggers the automatic compactor. Uh, So you hear boom, 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 (laughs) crunch, 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 and you're like, wow, I've never the one apartment I had that. Maybe they didn't have that. I don't know. But that's wow. Every time that would be delightful. It's like, <laughs> just can we throw out another bag, Mr. Zachney? There, there's time. It is one of the few things we get on a good cleaning groove. You're like, all right, time to run another one out there. Uh, but the, the flip side is I've gotten pretty like people are always jamming up the garbage chute. It's like, and the, and the big thing is oversized pizza boxes mm. are like, people will be like, I can fold can't. this It'll s- into fitting down the chute. And it's It'll like, expand it halfway through what you're, what you're <laughs> yes. creating is like a cool little trap for the chute. Yep. No. Yep. <laughs> uh, so you gotta be like, I, I understand why people do it. Uh, get otherwise before before our basement flooded uh, and was effectively destroyed, uh, you had to go all the way down like twelve stories to the basement to like put put like cardboard uh, stuff away. Uh, now you have to go down ten stories and like walk out into the parking lot to find the dumpster area and and go do that, which is really annoying when you got a bunch of like Amazon 
cardboard packages and such that you want to dispose of. Uh, my solution to that is like, if there's smaller boxes and you know it seems feasible, sometimes I will just chop up things into a couple mm. like easy strips so they'll fit down the chute. As as opposed to creating climbing but, uh, holds in your trash chute by leaving pizza boxes in there with an expand partway through. <laughs> Right, and then our building doesn't have the most fail-safe way of getting building-wide message alerts out. See, also, people not realizing their basement was flooded and leaving their cars do- cars down there until the children of the building were enlisted to go door-to-door <laughs> to go to ask people if they have a car in the basement. Wow. <laughs> Could Did they you, please you, move it? You, in, you reinvented, like, messenger or, like, messaging urchins. That's incredible. <laughs> we, we did, yeah, and honestly, Ren, I, like... With the history of, well, I don't know if there's a history mm-hmm. of child labor in law, but there was a history <laughs> of undercompensated mm-hmm. immigrant labor. Uh, but I think it's a, a proud Lowell tradition oh of God. like we will have these, we will have these, these small, these, these small little folk running around uh, it, carrying out the bidding. It does. Of it the doesn't masters. count until the children get consumption. Like until then, it's not actually child labor. Like once <laughs> once the consumption sets in, then you fucked up with a ah. seven year old. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's whenever everyone on the when everyone on the line mm-hmm. has consumption, it's like we guys yeah. we need a union and <laughs> medical care. Anyway, uh, so War in the Midwest writes, longtime listener, uh, y'all may have radicalized me a little bit. Love all you do. There was a bit about the joys of getting rid of household hazardous waste in Rob's neck of the woods in that last episode. I caught, and it turns out the phrase hazardous waste is apparently my activation phrase. I tried to pare this down, but I went to school to write fantasy, so I'm sorry in advance, and gird thyselves. I work at a small hazardous waste facility, three-letter acronym, uh, environmental, for the last six years, and among the things we do that feel like genuine service are manning household uh, hazardous waste collections for local counties and providing a proper outlet for smaller generators, uh, like smaller pharmaceutical manufacturers, labs, and local schools, to send their waste where they know it will get taken care of properly in their stead. I do feel this kind of work is necessary as long as we want to continue to make and have life-saving pharmaceuticals, medical-grade plastics, and electronic devices, but I will say that at statewide, let alone national scales, the way hazardous waste industry is structured is well and truly fucked. Companies like mine operate what are called transport storage and disposal facilities, uh, TSDFs, And in order to operate, we are required to have a license in our state permitted by the state's Department for Environmental Quality with strict requirements about the structures and equipment used. That's all pointed, limiting, and or preventing incidents that would affect local environment and communities. Which is good, but between that and regulation by the EPA, DEA, DOT, OSHA, LARA, Deep Breath, TSCA, the state environmental department, and local public safety departments, the cost to make or be a TSDF requires investment capital amounts of money. TSDFs are also designed in the RCRA, the law that created the EPA, as being owned and operated for profit. Uh, For non-American listeners, the EPA is the American Environmental Protection Agency uh, that enforces sort of national environmental quality standards. There are also like local organizations uh, associated with local government that do that same thing. And yes, the nature of like American federalism is that it's kind of a nesting doll of different agencies and regulations that anyone operating the space would have to comply with. 
Uh, so it becomes very, very complicated to remain in compliance. Ward continues, Now, I'm neither a lawyer nor a journalist, but to me it feels like lawmakers could only imagine that anyone who would or could set up a site to manage hazardous waste in our country would exclusively do so in the interest of making money out of it and not, you know, primarily promote the well-being of human communities <laughs> and circumvent ecological disaster. All of this leads to an industry bristling with companies that are at odds with themselves and each other over the conflicting reasons for which they exist. Mine is no exception. We make our money off of making it easier for generators to get waste to us than our competitors, often by letting them cut corners, and then finding ways to save money, sending that waste out uh, consolidated to the sites that can actually dispose of it, often to places that do more high-efficiency burning than reclaiming because it's cheaper for us. Like so many industries steeped in capital structure, there doesn't seem to be much room for bucking this mold without getting stamped out by the dozens of other companies capitalizing on uh, playing hot potato with the nation's dangerous castoffs. Related to this, you may be disappointed but unsurprised to hear there's been a swarm of consolidating purchases in the industry. Uh, see GFL Environmental, VLS Environmental, uh, Clean Harbors, and more for examples. Competition is being compacted, and the sprawling corporations that own many of the sites throughout the country are notably less effective at doing the work of responsibly handling waste. At every level, it just doesn't seem to be profitable to do the job the law ostensibly intended, which is to force companies that generate the waste to make less of it, handle it more safely, and foot the cost of having it taken care of. My question then is, what's the brighter future or alternate present y'all imagine for how we as a society might responsibly handle the detritus dropped from the height of material science, uh, assuming we still want the social good material benefits, uh, e.g. community-owned uh, or run uh, TSDFs, union initiatives, PFOS, irritating bacteria, etc. Uh, thanks again for filling my days with video games, uh, regard for humanity, and shenanigans. Fuck capitalism and the for-profit waste industry in particular, Ward. That is a very informative email. That is, I did not realize that there was a entire like marketplace of waste disposal companies selling waste, <laughs> like taking waste and selling it to other disposal companies uh, up and up and down the chain. Um, yeah, this this seems like a this seems like a really bad system. Yeah, uh, kind of kind of fundamentally and uh, irrevocably bad. Uh, uh, to me, because like I don't know, I want to hear stories like this. I kind of just, I have to um, either commit to or try to resist. But either way, I'm engaging with my uh, tendency towards deindustrialization, where I'm, where I look at this and I'm like, I think that fundamentally, like you know, th there's there's a supposition that happens at the end of this question, which is assuming we still want the social good, material benefits of like modern material science. Uh, and as as time goes on, I become. Uh, increasingly disenchanted with the potential of like what what new materials could actually do for people uh and and much more like i don't know i i think that the world is a much kinder place when people like buy things from and uh from people who make them uh and like i think that that like the only way to actually handle stuff like this is like fundamental structural changes to like the way economies function i I sometimes have the like deindustrialized impulse, but I do think like material science, uh, like pharmaceuticals, electronics, like there's just too much useful shit that they can do to say like we don't want to use any of it, or we want to like see like I guess for me it is it is partly 
the sheer amount of it that is produced not for any uh like for one like that are not really durable goods uh the the, the like the the sheer the disposability of the finished products themselves i think becomes a huge problem uh but i think there's also you know if you take about like plastic pollution right it's uh a huge part of it is companies find it cheaper and easier to have really plastic intensive packaging and they have offloaded the cost of producing all that packaging onto society uh and so i think to a degree when i hear something like this part of it is uh a lot of these a lot of the regulations and then sort of the solutions put in place seem like sort of a sop to make it seem like the idea, the problems mm-hmm. are being dealt with, uh-huh. but really they are there to allow the producer, the primary offenders to offload, like the pro to offload the problem onto other bodies and say like, Hey, we're compliant with regulations. Uh, if things are, are, if things aren't going well, that's a downstream problem. Talk to the people who run the hazardous material facility. Talk to the uh, government agencies that administer all this. And it's like, no, I think I want to talk to you, the person producing all the shit. <laughs> well, but that's, that's you know, just a fundamental issue with capitalism in general. It's like, unless the government is going to do the, the thing of regulating them correctly, like to with regulations that actually, you know, hold water and do what they're supposed to do and protect you know the environment like yeah. companies will never choose to do that in no matter how many like no matter how much you could try to shame the people behind the the, the decisions they, they simply do not care and will never care um yeah right? i guess you know part of it is for me i think it would be much more of a i don't know if it's utopian because it's not because it would be unending conflict right And there'd be a lot of friction with a system like this but sometimes we think huge bureaucratic state with like tons of inspectors at various sites seems like a pretty cool thing, right? Where it's not, <laughs> hey, an inspector comes through and you get a little certificate and you don't see that inspector for five years while your facility does whatever the fuck is going on, right? Yeah. Uh, and instead, it's more of a constant like, oh shit, the inspector's back here today uh, to sort of see how our operations are unfolding. Uh, and we are constantly being monitored and measured for like what we're producing. And instead, again, the 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 entire thing is sort of set up to allow the producers to have all these restrictions uh, lifted to, to have, to have environmental concern issues uh, sort of get out of the way by having like pro forma compliance. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's a hard problem uh, for, for sure. Cause there are a lot of things that, that we, that I think you, you would get different answers from different people what is a what are good things that produces this this waste and and what are kind of useless things i think the answers would vary from you know person to person uh so it becomes a it becomes a really hard problem uh chris from newcastle writes a a a good question hello the recent chat about immortals of avam and it's seo friendly and kind of shitty title got me thinking (laughs) what is your favorite game title I've given it some thought. I think Inside is my favorite. Definitely not SEO friendly, but possibly a much more evocative title as a result. What do you guys reckon? This is such. This is for me. Such it's easy. of a soul this is Such a good fucking question. Ooh. Sins of a Solar Empire. That's fantastic. Like there are so many game titles that like 
like try to operate in that in that realm of like having a really evocative title, but they they end up in Immortals of Avaeum Town, right? <laughs> uh, and they don't quite get to something as evocative as like Sins of a Solar Empire, which you know. Now that is a sci-fi. It's also novel got some like read. truly excellent mouthfeel, right? Like there's it a lot does. of s sounds yeah. in there. There is a lot of like alternating consonants. Like it is, it is a, it is a delicious, delicious sequence of sounds. And it's just long enough. There's a sense of import, but it's not so long that it's unwieldy. Like it's the fourth not. expansion pack, yeah. uh, it, you know, in an ongoing game series. It's not a light novel title. Yeah. <laughs> this is a hard question. To do right off the dome. You know what I mean? Like, I'm t- I'd have to, like, sit and think. Like, Sinister Soul Empire is a good one. Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. you had an answer. <laughs> um, I love alliterative titles. Mm. And so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, will, I will go with one of my favorites. Dragon's Dogma. Because that's just that that is to me mm. a very simple, very dogma. evocative phrase. <laughs> is that it tells you two important notes: there is a dragon, and there will be some dogma. Does that game have dogma in it? <laughs> Who's to fucking say? Um, but I do, I do love the series of sounds, and like when they added the subtitle for the uh, second half for the for the uh, expansion, "Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen." That feels good to say too. Dread Delusion, another another one with that with that yeah right. Oh, Dread Delusion. <laughs> Dread Delusion. It's a, it's a reason why like Disco oh, you're right. is an all time yeah. Yeah. yeah good title Jack because shit. it doesn't tell you anything except it also tells you everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like it's it's both it's evocative but not in terms of what you're about to play. And yet once you've played it. Boy, it sure seems fitting. Even it doesn't have to, not necessarily thematically, but just I don't know. Like there's something in the air where you then say Disco Elysium, and it is both like wholly unique and I don't know. So it, it, that is definitely one. You know, that falls in the vein of a like a Half Life. It's like, well, Half Life doesn't tell me anything either. I, I love the title Half Life as well because it actually, you know, it, it. How can you separate that from the series at that point? Yeah. But um, it doesn't actually really tell you anything. And like those are some of my. My favorites, or they feel thematically bold. I, I also if think not that, like, just to put the word disco in a title in the year 2021, so yeah. bold. Yes. What, a, what a good yes. statement. <laughs> disco, an, a, 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 an abandoned word. Bring it back. <laughs> uh, the other extreme, uh, don't take it personally, babe, it just ain't your story, is an all time title <laughs> uh, for, for me. Because uh, it's like, what, it, like, the title itself is a great kiss yeah. offline and like it's immediately arresting. And there's, there's other games that like strive for it, but again, like they don't, I have, there. I have the most dudes rock title metal gear rising mm. revengeance. <laughs> I Reven- love revengeance, revengeance so much. God, I mean, metal, metal gear in general has <laughs> metal gear. Like it's one of the, the third game has the subtitle. It's metal gear Solid three. No, and you could just stop there. No. Snake Eater. You have to put colon Snake Eater. Snake Eater is, I guess it's helping your SEO, but it is, that just, like, it's, it's not descriptive. I mean, I guess it's descriptive. You know what I mean? Like, it's delightful, but it doesn't make, I don't think a marketing team goes like, yeah. How are we forgetting Snake Eater? Uh, The sequel to Metal Gear Solid 3. 
Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. What a fucking all-timer. What an all-timer <laughs> sequence of sounds. It's just nonsense. Uh, so like the, uh, what, was, what was the, like, was it DLC? Like the slight update they did to Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater that added another subtitle, Subsistence That's how uh, you're like thinking that? Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid <laughs> yeah, 2. Yeah, you're right. Of. There was, yeah, the, I, yeah, you're right. Uh, do you have like a favorite non-video game title that's really like coming to mind in this moment? Like, I feel like Patrick, as our as our as our resident horror movie fan, I feel like there has to be something that like touches you in, in a fundamental oh, way. Boy, I mean, it, it's less as, as individual as much as I enjoy horror movies mm-hmm. that are just direct about. Like, I just bought this three disc set for. Um, this creature horror film is called Fuck Alligator. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. The movie yeah. rips. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a great, like there's, there's a lost art to the, the creature feature with like the rise of like, uh, like computerized effects because there's just something about, they have to be super realistic for the, like you have to have a big budget for the audience to take it anywhere seriously. And like, I don't know. But there was an era of 70s and 80s where you got a lot of stuff like that. And the, yeah, it's a three disc set. I don't know why it needs three discs. I haven't watched everything on there, but there's a lot of supplemental material. Uh, Rob, if you ever come visit, we'll sit down and just crack open uh, a, a, a 12 pack and just, we're going to really Magic, just invest Can we watch in the, the game now? No. <laughs> no. No, I'll put the game on the iPad. But I'm big, <laughs> you're you're watching, we're watching the, the black and white cut of Alligator. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, the game, the game, the football, the Bears game is Justin Fields is yeah. there, but also like we have to work our way through the rest of the behind the scenes supplements <laughs> material for Alligator. If you um, get a second screen just, set up uh, yeah. near your hot tub, uh, we will we will do this. But there's a lot of the, like the, there's a lot of movies I'm very fond of, uh, especially in the horror category that are just like thing. And it's like Alligator. Uh, I do love I do love Portrait of a Lady on Fire as a title. So good. It's a yeah that's great all right one last one tim from mundelein uh mundelein i don't know mundelein mundelein Mundelein, pretty sure uh writes good morning waypoint crew this isn't a question but after listening to patrick talk about the substandard wiring in his home i wanted to share my own recent story after living oh, no. my entire life in Chicago, my wife and I moved to the northwest suburbs in 2022 so we could afford a large enough place to raise our kids while still being close to the city. We were drawn to the idea of a new construction home because we wouldn't need to spend renovation money to make it work. And as this was the tail end of the quickly soaring housing market, we wouldn't have to get into a bidding war with other prospective buyers. This has mostly worked out well, except for one thing we discovered early on. We moved in February 2022. When the weather was still cold and we only ever needed to turn the heat on. Spending two months getting the house in order, we were preparing for our first event hosting family and friends. When a sudden warm wave hit the area and I had reason to turn on the air conditioning for the first time. Things didn't cool down as far as I expected, but I chalked it up to forgetting a switch somewhere. After fiddling with the circuit breakers all weekend and having our guests hanging out by the open windows to catch a cold breeze, I knew something was wrong. Our builder's foreman came out to check it out a few days later and discovered the AC unit had frozen over, but could not figure out why. We called the developer's maintenance hotline, and they set someone out a few days later. After checking the wiring inside, I saw the repairman repeatedly going to our front door to mess with the wiring there. 
this didn't make sense as the AC unit was located on the side of the house until the guy came in and explained the problem. Whoever did all the wiring in our utility closet connected the air conditioner to oh our Oh my God. <laughs> Sadly, this did not mean the AC cursedly sputtered to life whenever someone came to the door, but it was one of the dumbest wiring mistakes the repair guy had ever seen. Fortunately, it only took a few hours to get uh, it's this fixed, and we've been living in a blissful 71 degrees ever since. So remember, check your AC works, even if you're moving in winter. That's Tim from Mundelein. Uh That seems like a wow. wild, because wouldn't that also be a high-capacity, like, that'd be like, that would be a 240, right? We have the right? strongest doorbell on the fucking planet. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> right, like, you, like, I understand, like, you're like at the at the at the at the breaker box. Yes, you are dealing with a, a nest of wires. I imagine it's really mm-hmm. simple. Even if you really like know your shit as an electrician to get crossed up, I can get it. But I feel like some wires are recognizably different from the others, just, and are not doorbell. The idea wires. of Rob <laughs> sitting in front of his fucking yeah. ribbon speakers hitting the doorbell button and instantly deafening everyone outside of his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyway, that's really good. Uh, that, that is that is tremendous. Yeah, wiring at homes is a nightmare, especially if at least at least there's just early, and so like you can you can help them make the mistakes yeah. <laughs> as opposed to uh, when you go, come into a home that's had decades of God knows what, and then maintenance just, on top of the original shitty build. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, that is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us, follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, and YouTube Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zach Nicado. I just realized why Rob's going really fast. Look at the time, everyone. Ren or Raven. Ren. Uh, Patrick Kopik. You can show me publish on waypoint.vice.com. Patrick had a good article go up about kids playing games, but not at home where they should, but in school with their wicked Chromebooks. Uh, and thanks to Waypoint Plus, we will have a bunch of fun streams lately. List a few. Uh, that's what my, that's what my show notes say. Uh, d- I don't, but I gotta <laughs> go. <laughs> Anyway, living schedule on the Twitter. Coming up soon, we're going to be promote upcoming. And for our Waypoint Plus <laughs> listeners, recent or upcoming pods. If that sounds good or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. And if you want to show not just support, but zeal, well, don't read this part. Go to waypointgeneralstore.com to buy some of our fine Waypoint merch. Our theme music is by Bo and the track is missing you off the EP Hail Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash BOEN. For now, we're calling time on this Monday. Tuesday. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Till then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Addictions Go to are the really dentist. clear. Take care of your teeth. <laughs>
I say goodbye to this Rob Zachney and I'm excited to say hi to new teeth Rob Zachney. New teeth. Exactly. <laughs> Do you think his taking body up, will reject the, the old teeth. teeth putting in the yeah. new teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't want to go to the dentist is because I like my current ones. Yeah, you could. It, yeah, this is really. Inf- I don't know why they have to take all of them out every time. <laughs> it's really fucking weird.